God is quite happy to hear how we actually feel. What God is saying is, I'm the place to bring your anger to. I'm the place to bring your disappointment. I'm the place to bring your frustrations and your deep hurts and your, and your major losses. You dump that stuff on me. And you can trust me with it because I'm not going to squish you for being frustrated or sad or miserable or, you know, hurt. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the New Release Today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Welcome to this week's conversation. Today, I'm talking with Steve Bell, a prolific and thoughtful artist from Canada. We talked about the value of lament and symbolism in our lives, and also about how our heart's cry is to be part of what God is doing in our world today. I think you'll really enjoy our chat. But before I get started, I wanted to share with you, uh, for the last couple of weeks, I've been having a tough time sleeping. I'm waking up at two or three in the morning, and I just can't seem to fall back asleep. And the problem is, I, I kind of like sleep. It's kind of a big deal. That is, until I remembered that God is with me even in the middle of the night. Then, today in my devotions, I was reading in Psalm 63, where King David wrote, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on your thoughts through the night. Man, even King David struggled with sleep. <laughs> now, I'm trying to use my sleeplessness as an opportunity to chat with God. Since my mind is racing already, I'm trying to let God know what I'm thinking about, what areas of my life I'm wrestling with or worrying about. Sometimes I even find that this is a great time to ask God to work with people who I care about, including the artists listed on our weekly prayer newsletter. I'd love to hear from you about how you are being intentional about obedience to God. Do you have routines or practices that help you focus on Jesus when things aren't quite going the way you planned? What kinds of things help you get centered on His presence? Drop me an email or a social media shout-out, and let's talk about how you make your relationship with God real and practical every day. Well, we'll get to our interview in just a minute, but I wanted to introduce you to Doug Hoffman. Doug is the Executive Director of Mercy, Inc. Doug, it would be really cool if you could just tell us a little bit about what is Mercy, Inc., and what do you do? Mercy, Inc. is a humanitarian 501c3 organization. We do humanitarian work around the world. We like to describe ourselves as being the hands and feet of Jesus to those that are disadvantaged, those who don't have what we have. And that might be food, that might be health, that might be spiritual. We reach out to them through compassion work, through helping hands bring them to Christ. I mean, that's our ultimate goal around the world. So if you think about it, what did Jesus do when he was on this earth? Jesus reached out to them. He was always healing, he was feeding, he was nurturing, he was helping emotionally. And that's what our model for, for mercy is, to be like Jesus. Always think about what would Jesus do if he was in that situation. Thanks, Doug. To learn more about the work of Mercy, Inc., head over to our website, christianmusicarchive.com mercy. 
That's christianmusicarchive.com slash mercy. Well, I'm really excited to welcome to the podcast today Steve Bell. Now, I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit here. I, I must admit I didn't know a lot about Steve until I started talking to folks, and they said, uh, you need to have Steve Bell's music on your website. And then, of mm. course, every one of those people says, and you've got to interview him because he's a really great guy. So <laughs> a wrong is going to be righted today, and we're okay, going to awesome. talk with Steve Bell. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. It's always this is, this is an honor. I, I like doing this kind of thing, so it's fun. It's fun. Now you're you're in uh, middle of Canada, middle of Canada, Winnipeg. So um, if folks don't know, think um, Fargo and or Grand Forks, and and go about two hours north, and we're right there. I heard somebody say that you're literally smack dab in the middle of the northern North American continent. Yeah, I th yeah. I think actually, if you go from the very top to the very bottom, east to west, we're pr almost exactly. I think I think the actual middle is about twenty miles out of town. Okay. Uh, there's a marker, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. center center not center of the universe, but certainly center of North America. <laughs> center of it, pretty close. Yeah. Well, as I was doing some research, I realized um, you should have a very large hat rack sitting in your studio because you're a singer, songwriter, mm -hmm. speaker, mm -hmm. producer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. author, recording mm -hmm. artist, this mm -hmm. is important because I'm one too, trumpet player. <laughs> you play the horn. I do, yeah. Lovely. Husband, okay. dad, Jesus follower, Canadian mm -hmm. advocate, uh, I don't know what mm -hmm. else. That's a lot of hats to wear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not a young fellow. <laughs> I started off just with a couple of those things and yeah. then... Uh, and you know, you you sort of think this is who I am, and this is what I'm about, and then you realize that th those things that drive you when you're you're younger are driving you to new uh, obligations and roles, and you know that you have to sort of grow into yeah. and take up different mantles, and and try to you know of all the things that that are come across as opportunity to try to discern which ones are in line with your core gifts mm -hmm. and ministry and calling. And the more the more you of that you get right, <laughs> um, the the happier you are, and so are, so are others around you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you've you've been now uh, full time ministry for thirty years. Uh yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, just just over thirty. Yep. Your twentieth album just came out. Twenty first. Twenty first. See, I'm I'm already behind. See, you've got too many hats. <laughs> well, it depends. You know, I, I never had, know how to count some of them. Like sure. so, like okay, let me ask you this question: Is a best of an album? Is that a release mm. or? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So I think there's 18 albums of new material. Okay. There's a couple that are re-recorded. So I've got an album with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, all old material, but a completely new arrangement. So mm -hmm. I think that's a new album. Um, and then you have a couple of like Best Of, or we have a Psalms collection, a couple sure. of those kinds of things. So if you put them all together, it's 21 or 22. Yeah. And your latest Something. one just came out called Wouldn't You Love to Know? Wouldn't you love to know? Yeah. And uh, I, I will admit I was listening to that before our, our conversation today and just absolutely fell in love with In Memoriam. Oh, well, thank that's, you That's for an my amazing dad. song, yeah. Yeah, he passed away um, a year and a half ago, um, and that song came about a month after his death. Yeah. Uh, kind of one of those gift songs I wasn't, I wasn't expecting, and it mm -hmm. kind of came out of nowhere and, and insisted to be written. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a, a fun way to start our conversation because um, your dad played a, prolip a, a really important role in your being a musician. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, I was going to start the podcast with Steve Bell learned how to play guitar in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's actually, that's actually true. Yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit about, you know, growing up, your dad uh, 
how the music became such a, a key thing that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Well, okay, so my dad's a pastor, a Baptist, was a Baptist minister, um, living in Alberta. I was born in Alberta, in Calgary. Uh, my mother, um, a profound musician, uh-huh. a beautiful piano player, songwriter, singer. Um, as kids, uh, we had a family traveling gospel band. We recorded albums. We had matching outfits. We were like a Christian <laughs> partridge family. There you go. Which is going to mean nothing to a lot of your <laughs> listeners, but anybody our age is going to know right. exactly what that means. Exactly. And, um, and so we had all that thing going, and uh, we had this, you know, fairly classic pastor family life, fairly healthy. Uh, Mom and dad loved each other, loved us, and and it was very secure. And we loved Jesus, and Jesus loved us. And there was, you know, uh, problems were things that happened to other people mm. mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my mother, when I was about eight years old, was suddenly hit. Um, now, in retrospect, it's not suddenly, but at the time it felt out of nowhere with a profound mental breakdown mm-hmm. and spent the rest of her life really battling mental illness, uh, which includes you know, anxiety disorder, crippling mm-hmm. depression, all that kind of thing. Um, and so that has been a mark of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, so that'd be 1968, and the church didn't really have a good adequate catcher's mitt for mental illness, Mm, you know? And so there was a lot of painful things said and done. People were wigged out by her. Christians shouldn't have this problem, Mm. especially pastors' wives. And, and so, um, and I remember that quite, I remember very, very condescending hearing things about my mom and, you know, that that kind of, Yeah. yeah, very, very painful to hear. And, um, and for my father as well. And right around that time, the government built a, a federal prison just outside of uh, Drumheller, where we were living okay. at the time. And uh, dad decided to leave the church and go into chaplaincy. Mm. And so we, at eight or nine years old, um, prison chaplain became my church. That's that's where I went to church until mm. f- I left home um, later. And uh, the inmates, um, two things. Uh, one was, it was, I mean, hopefully dad and us were a gift to them. Yeah. Uh, but ironically, the inmates had no problem with my mom not being well. Mm. I mean, it just, you know, um, health it was not a, it's not a requirement for membership in the club. <laughs> yeah. <a little laughs> Do you know bit. what I mean? And so their their whole thing, and I, and I say it with a bit of a joke, but it's really true. Their whole thing is, hey, come hang out with us losers. We are your people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were able to accept my mom and love my mom without any need for her to be well or... You know what I mean? It's like we're this is this is a fellowship of losers. You're in the right place. Mm, yeah. And um, they 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 loved me. Uh, they loved my sisters. Um, it was inmates that taught me to play guitar. Huh. Um, they used to gather in the chapel on Saturday afternoons and have these like jam sessions. And when they heard that I was interested, they invited me in, and and I would sit from eight or nine years old on every Saturday um, in the circle with Canada's most unwanted men. <laughs> right. Who, who really prepared and anointed me for ministry. I'm, yeah. I'm doing what I'm doing now because they saw something in me and they invested their gifts in me and yeah. loved me and um, gave me a place to, to be a, a, a sad kid, mm. um, uh, you know, amongst other people that kind of got that. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it, was, it, was, it was, what a gift for me and for my mom and for my dad. My mom started a, um, um, 
I mean, now retrospect was way before her time. She started a worship band mm. among with the inmates, yeah. and um, this was before worship bands or contemporary music or anything like that. And um, and so I was part of that. My sisters were part of that, and and this was our life. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, my experience with prison has been in maximum security prison. So obviously, yeah. hearing you say that you your church was prison, yeah, you spent a lot of time there. Then you were every Sunday. Oh, every oh every Sunday, but not only that. I mean, I like I said, I'd go on Saturday afternoons with my dad. Now, this was this was a maximum prison being like in terms of structure being run mm-hmm. as a medium. Okay. Security. Yeah. So, um, so I was allowed in as kids. I mean, you know, in, not into anything, but For certain sure. like all the all the chapel functions and mm-hmm. socials and family days and, um, you know, we were part of all of that. So I was probably in the prison, you know, two or three times a week. I think you said something that. I don't know if it breaks my heart or makes me glad that the prison is where you were accepted, whereas yeah. the church wasn't willing to accept your family because of your mom's your mom's illness, which is quite a statement. Yeah, well, it is, and and I and I, and I still don't quite understand it. You know, the I mean, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, our our basic foundational faith document, mm-hmm. the scripture, tells us that we're broken. Mm-hmm. Right. Why Why does that wig anybody out? Like, like, like we actually should have the the greatest capacity for tolerance of sin and brokenness, not Mm -hmm. the least. And somehow we think that faith is some ticket out of that. Um, and, and it's, I don't think that's true. Um, I mean, yes, Jesus heals and, you know, and, and there's growth and all. Yes, of course. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that we just wallow in our brokenness, but brokenness i'm gonna live with my brokenness all my life mm-hmm. and yeah. so are you yeah. so you know could could we like let that go and just you know relate as as as, as common people you know yeah. who, who both both need a savior <laughs> yeah um you know and and so it's it's uh, the thing about inmates um and i think the deal is this is that once you're on record as being a broken person it follows you not only does it follow you, why pretend otherwise? Mm. Oh, I see. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, so in a church situation, people can dress up on a Sunday morning, they can present whoever they want. Mm-hmm. And if people find out who you really are, I'll just go to a different church. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've got at least five years there before that you're <laughs> discovered, right? So, uh, but in a prison, you're kind of stuck there. And yeah. if some guy starts to do the holier than thou thing, you know, you can just pull their file and say, smarten up, we know about you. Um, <laughs> And so, weirdly, there's a, a level of honesty and authenticity that you can sometimes find in a place like a prison that you never find outside or rarely. And that's, that's, that's sad. And, and that's, I think part of that's just bad theology. You know, mm. we just, it's, it's embedded in our, sometimes in our songs. Yeah. You know, um, Sunday school songs. You know, um, I'm trying to think of this song. Um, one door and only one, then yet the sides are two. I'm on the inside and which side are you? Yeah. Like it's that, like we're in, you're out. Yeah. Um, and, and if you even listen to that song, it's I'm on the inside, na 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 na. It's got, mm. it's actually got that yeah. tone to it, right? Interesting. And we sang, we sang that in Sunday school, or um, I'm in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time. I'm in right. I'm gonna finish this. I'm in right, out right, up right, down right, happy all the time since Jesus Christ came in and washed my heart from sin. I'm in. Well, yeah. Tell that to an eight-year-old boy whose mother is in a mental institution um, mm-hmm. and who um, never really gets his mom back. Yeah. I think, well, I'm not in right, outright, upright, downright happy all the time. And my mom isn't, and my dad isn't. Maybe Jesus Christ hasn't come in. 
Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I got saved about 40 times through my teenagers, <laughs> right. teenage years, you know, because clearly it hasn't taken yet because I'm not in right, out, right, up, right, down, right, happy all the time. Yeah. Well, the, the truth is that that song is a lie, mm. you know, um, but it's welcome in the Sunday school classes. It's interesting because as you bring this up, one of the things that I become very aware of through these conversations of podcast, this podcast about music mm-hmm. is that I think our Western culture has worship and music a little bit wrong in that we only look at the pretty bow. Yeah. We don't look at the mess underneath that actually is the result of what, what, what grows into that pretty bow. Yeah. And, 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 and where are the laments? Like if you look Mm -hmm. at, if you think of the Psalms as being Israel's um, hymn book, which is really what it is, it's their hymn book. And these were songs. Yeah. Um, We only get the, the, the sort of the, 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 the bad translation poetry. Um, so it's hard for even <laughs> us to, to realize right. the Psalms first and foremost are really good art. It's good literature, it's great art, mm-hmm. and they were sung. But if you look at the number of Psalms that are that are come from a place of orientation and happiness and yeah. all is well, there's only a few. Yeah. Um, there's a whole lot in the middle and then there's some really dark ones. Yeah. And you, so you look at a theologian like uh, Walter Brueggemann, and and he says one of the problems with North American Christianity is that we've censored the laments. Mm-hmm. You know, we sing, we want to sing about victory in Jesus. You know, um, which is true, a, but we're we're yes. missing the backside of that, the other side of the coin. Yeah, we need to tell the whole story. Yeah, you know, and there are times, man. I I've had times of profound orientation where all is well. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 oriented. You know, my my soul, my passions, my desires are aligned, and they they're they're discipled, and they're in place, and they're operating the way they ought to be, and all that kind of stuff. So I know that place. I've known it maybe about ten hours in my entire life, but I know it exists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. but it certainly isn't the story of my life, right? You know, and so um, so where is the place of deep lament? Where is the, where is the place that where we can just say? We're broken. I'm broken. It's broken. You're broken. And I don't really know what to do about it. Yeah. And we have a scripture that talks about a God who cares. But let's let's be honest. God's not always saving us from this stuff. Right. You know, like half a million you know people have died in your country in the last year. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. You know, where's God? Yeah. You know. So e- either God um, doesn't care, or God um, is, you know, occupied. Yeah. Um, or is Madden is squashing people like bugs? Like, so what's what's the deal? Or has a different perspective than we are even aware of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from our perspective, I think what the Psalms tell us is that God is quite happy to hear how we actually feel. Do you know what I mean? What the Psalms tell us is you can actually say to God, "Please take my enemy's children and bash them against rocks." Hmm. You know, that's in the Psalms. Now, I don't think God does it. What God is saying is, I'm the place to bring your anger to. Yeah. I'm the place to bring your disappointment. I'm the place to bring your frustrations yeah. and your deep hurts and your and your major losses. You dump that stuff on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't dump it on your neighbor. Don't dump it on your spouse or your kids. I am the, the cross is the place to shoot that gun at. And and you can trust me with it because I'm not going to squish you for being frustrated or sad or miserable or, you know, hurt or in pain. Well, and along with that, and and our listeners will know, I just talked with Brian Dirksen, a fellow Canadian mm. of yours. And yeah, we were talking, he's a friend. We were talking just last week that if we are created in God's image, mm. 
and we have emotion, happiness, joy, sadness, mm -hmm. anger. Mm -hmm. These are part of how we were created. And as Christians today, we tend to say, okay, what can we do to make, make you so you're not sad? Or what can we do to say, you, you yeah. shouldn't be angry. Oh, don't get angry. Right. When in reality, right. that's part of our creation. That's part of the, yep. the fabric of who we are. And I mean, we talk yep. about the, the scripture that says God was angry. He just didn't sin in yep. it. And so, right. so why do we hang on to these emotions and say they're bad? Get rid of them. Well, I think I think partly is because we just don't like them, and so we imagine that somehow, uh, if we're experiencing them, that 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 God must want them to be taken away, mm. or something. It's funny you look at guys like um, uh, Ronald Rollheiser. He's a, a Catholic. Um, boy, is he? What is he? He 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 runs a university down in Florida. I can't remember now. I worked with him once at, at, on a conference, you know, and he talked about. Um, like all these passions, all these desires, you know, so these which which when they're disordered, anger becomes hatred, um, desire becomes lust, mm. all these sorts of things. He says, but those passions are good, those feelings are good, but they have to be discipled, mm. not obliterated. So, what is the place of anger? What is the place of sorrow? What is the place of desire? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's, I mean, think about this. I mean, let's like, whenever we think about desire, we'd immediately go to sexual desire. So let's take it out of that and get rid of that um, as a sort of a negative thing. What about desire for water? Mm. When you deeply, deeply really want water, that desire is an indicator that you might need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The desire itself is telling you, go get a glass of water, you idiot. You, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing, you know? So when I, when I desire intimacy, Maybe that's not something to sort of say, oh, I shouldn't have that. Mm. Maybe the pointer should be, well, you need intimacy. So how do you do that in a way that's life-giving and flourishing to you and flourishing to the other or that on honors your createdness and, mm -hmm. and is ordered? Yeah. So the idea is, is not to obliterate these things. It's to order what's been disordered, mm. put them in their place so they're working again in, in the right way. You know, so you get this a lot more... Um, in the Protestant world, we don't. It's not a. I mean, more and more there are folks talking about this in the in the more ancient Catholic world. There's lots of it, like you know, Saint John of the Cross and uh, Teresa of Avila and Francis of Assisi and stuff. This is this is exactly what they're talking about all yeah. the time. Unfortunately, it's just archaic language, and so we're not quite sure what they mean half the time. Well, and part of our culture um, right now, you know, everybody's a winner. Everybody, you know, yep. everybody gets a participation trophy. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that's added to this confusion in our minds with how do we deal yeah. with discomfort yeah 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 and 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 first off is is well lament is probably good <laughs> i don't like this yeah i'm unhappy i'm unhappy my leg just got blown off yeah i'm unhappy about that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know and and so sit with that a little bit like 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 name the truth the leg is gone mm -hmm. you know so part of deep lament is just to tell the truth yeah and then how do we say then, now what, to a God who apparently cares Yeah. and say, okay, so uh, the leg is gone, hurts like Hades, <laughs> uh, my life just changed, um, it'll never be the same. Now now what, like, who am I in you? Yeah. And, and then trust that the good God wants to participate in, in, in helping us answer that in a way that's not only good for me, but that's good for you, you know, so that I, be, I become a blessing to, for others. Yeah. And he invites us to ask those tough questions. He doesn't yep. want us to just assume that, okay, you'll tell me when it's time. He wants us to ask him. Yep, yep. Which also gets to the strange part about prayer that I don't understand, and that is 
if God knows all, why do I have to ask him for him to release his power? But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I know. You know what? It's, uh, yeah, I used to think that as a kid too. It's like, you know, what's, you know, it's funny how you have these weird understandings of prayer as a kid. You know, Tony Campolo tells this really funny story. Uh, his son, Bart, um, when Bart's like, I don't know, four or five years old. Um, and I've met Bart and okay. uh, Tony says he and, and his wife, Peggy, are, you know, they're in bed and they're, they're reading and, you know, Bart's getting ready for bed and he comes into the room and says, uh, good night, mom and dad. I'm going to go say my prayers. And, uh, and they say, okay, Bart. And he leaves the room and he comes back and goes, anybody want anything? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, okay. So he says, okay, we need to teach this kid a little bit more, you know, but, but, yeah. but what is prayer except for in a sense, inviting, um, God into the, the life that we actually have. Mm -hmm. Not so much a Santa Claus that if, if I've behaved well today, yeah. I'll take away all discomfort. It's part of that relationship, that communication with a friend. Yeah. yeah. I heard this story today, um, um, actually this morning on a podcast, it was um, uh, a Jewish fellow that um, who's, I think his, his father was a Holocaust survivor. And the story is about this young woman in, in Auschwitz. Um, and she was, she was let out every day to work on a farm um that sort of was you know to get food for the for the uh, concentration camp and all that kind of stuff and it was the farm was run by a, a polish farmer that basically had basically all this this these slaves given to mm -hmm. him to work with mm -hmm. and this young woman cut her finger and um, not a big deal but it got infected and she realized that if she didn't get antibiotics she would not survive she'd die well the uh -huh. nazis didn't care and yeah. he knew that this woman was going to die and didn't know what to do and knew that if he went to the nazis and asked for antibiotics he wasn't going to get them so what he did was he cut his finger and then he put his finger on her finger and rubbed it so that he got the same infection. Mm. And then he went to the Nazis and said, I'm going to need something if you don't, have to, you know, and they, they gave him antibiotics, which he shared with her mm. and saved her life. Yeah. And he, he, I mean, it's this, it's this not only, um, it's not only compassion or empathy. He, and it's not only just solidarity, yeah. it's actually willingly sharing in her suffering. Yeah. And sharing in her vulnerability, mm. and that's what saved her. Yeah, it's a powerful story. I mean, the metaphor breaks down if you know if you take it too far, but yeah. But it's a beautiful picture of what Christ did for us because it says yeah. in the Bible that Christ was tempted in every way we are, and I think temptation is part of it. But he was fully human, and he experienced this same stuff that we did. Yeah, here's the perfect being who said, "I'm going to become one of these broken people, and experience it so that I can relate." Yeah, and and real vulnerability. Yeah. Um, like so, it's not just again, oh, I'm, I feel badly for you. Right. I have compassion or empathy right. for you. It's actually entering into the other's condition. Yeah. And how does that actually save us in the end? Well, I don't. You know, I mean, you can read theology for <laughs> years, and yeah. you know, this, you know, that's and I and I do. I mean, I love theology and stuff, but I'm not going to pretend I understand how salvation works. And I don't think any of us really will until. The Lord no. sees us, and then we probably won't even care to ask because we'll be I think with. We him. probably won't care. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be. You know, like, do you remember when we used to worry about that? You know, yeah. I, 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 I imagine. You know, yeah. but at the but I think we can know some things, and I think we can be deeply moved. Um, Absolutely, and we can share this good news: is that somehow. Salvation is wrought by God emptying himself, hitching himself to our wagon, getting yeah. infected with our disease, mm. going down into death. Um, and he didn't, he didn't conquer disease. He conquered death. Yeah. And so therefore, um, you know, it's, it's lost a sting for us. And other than that, I don't, I can't tell you really how that works. Yeah. But, 
something in my gut believes it. And I'm grateful that it does because I've I've yeah. been the recipient of being in the middle of just ter- terrible, lousy stuff that I don't understand, and yet there's a weird peace. I can't call it yep. joy, but there's nope. a weird peace that that yep. God's got it under control. Yeah, it's a trust thing, you know. Um, it's also um. I was talking to a friend of mine who's got a a, a young girl um, who's who, she's I think two two years old and mm-hmm. she's going to um, daycare, and um, she's because her mom needs her to because she needs to work and all that kind of thing and um, and the, and the child doesn't you know cries every time she has to go to daycare you know and there's something there's something about her I think that feels like she's losing home mm-hmm. and her anxiety is that I'm losing home yeah. Right, and so I was thinking, well, how can I pray for this kid? And that's what I that's what I prayed. Her, her name is Abigail, and I said, uh, Holy Spirit, confirm in Abigail's tender heart her secure place in this world, in this family, and in your fold that she will joyfully go out to greet each day and circumstance with the assurity of the deepest home. Mm, that's beautiful. You know that I think once we know what home is, where home is, and that we belong there, <laughs> then we can go out into the dark night and face it with some courage. Because we know where home is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and so you can go out there where there are wolves or bandits or discomfort. The courage and the strength comes from knowing our kith and our kin. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we talked a little bit about prayer, and you put out a year-long, uh, what was it called? The Pilgrim Year. Pilgrim which, Year. Which was a series of books and music mm-hmm. centered mm-hmm. around prayer well the church calendar year okay okay so okay so again i i, I grew up baptist and mm-hmm. so we weren't a very liturgical group in fact that was for catholics and right. we know where they're going right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we don't do that fortunately i've met some catholics that i think are probably getting to heaven before we are so <laughs> well i think quite, that's quite possible um and so um but i i actually did um when i was when i was growing up as a kid um, there was a Catholic priest in our town and it was a wee little town and, and he knew my dad and he'd come over and, and I really liked him. He's a cool guy. And, and it was a little parish that he had and he had no music hmm. and, and he recognized my music and he said, he asked my dad if he could ask me. He said, Steve, would you come on Sunday mornings after the chapel services and come and do music for the Catholic mass? Sure. You know, so, it's you know, a chance to play music. I have no, I'm, yeah, I want to play music. And, and so I go learn the, you know, the, the different, you know, things. And, and I'd sit there through this boring liturgy, you know, and so glad I'm not a Catholic because this just sucks. <laughs> and, you know, but week after week after week, hearing that liturgy and hearing those deep, deep, deep prayers, and they started to, in a sense, um, penetrate me and enter me. And, and I started to realize I was looking forward to certain times in the mass, you know, certain, where that, that there was a change, there was a shift in the air, like when Mary Poppins mm. comes, <laughs> you know, um, you know, that there's something's, you know, the air, the hair goes back up and you're, mm-hmm. you don't know why, and yeah. you're a little bit afraid and you're a bit excited and you don't know what that is. And, and I, and I just found myself sort of being drawn into the, the, the mystery of the relationship between God and God's good creation through mm. this liturgical act without really understanding what was going on. Yeah. Through that, I started to notice over years that I started to like the sequence of Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Holy Week, Easter, ordinary time. Like I started in, in the same way that um, we, we start to, we get used to different calendars, like mm. September is the beginning of school and you work hard for a couple of months, but right. then you get this nice break, you know, and, <laughs> and then you kind of go back in the winter and you hunker down a little bit again, but then you get the, you know, the spring break. Yeah. There's a, there's a pattern to it that you can anticipate. 
And I found the same with the church calendar. And I found that it really did help guide my prayer. Um, it helped me participate in something that was bigger than me. Yeah. There were seasons of lament um, that I would participate in, whether I felt like I needed mm. to or not. But in solidarity, I joined others. Mm. Yeah. There were seasons of celebration that I would participate in, whether I felt it or not. But again, I'm, I'm solidarity with the community. Yeah. And it sort of felt like it helped get Steve Bell out of the center of Steve Bell's life. Hmm. So I could sort of turn outward rather than be turned inward, which is our natural yeah. sort of sinful response to the world. Yeah. And and so I, I I kind of fell in love with it. And so I ended up writing this, um, it's a seven volume sort of little booklets, one in Advent, one mm -hmm. in Christmas, one in Epiphany. And I kind of looked into the different saints days and the different festivals and what do they mean and what do they mean in, re in relationship to each other. Yeah. And it's pretty fascinating. Can I give you an example? Sure, please do. Okay. At the end of the season of Epiphany, right on the border of Lent is St. Valentine's Day. Mm. Now, St. Valentine's, it's not a hallmark thing. It's an actual Christian festival. Right. Um, he was a bishop in the third century, and he was he was under Clodius, the uh, Roman emperor, emperor okay. who was having border wars. And so um, Clodius needed all of the young men uh, for battle to fight his border wars. And the thing is, in Roman time and law, that when you got married, you, you got a year exemption from military service. Mm. And so Clodius just sort of put out a decree, we're going to not allow any marriages for one, you know, for, until we kind of deal with, uh -huh. you know, all things. So please, all young men to the front, yep. uh, all people stop marrying people and let's get this job done and, and go back. It's sort of like, like let, let's hunker down, let's put on our masks, <laughs> let's, you know, do our social distancing so we can get back to real life. Mm -hmm. And Valentine just basically said, I, I'm, I'm a priest of the most high. I'm, one of the jobs is to bless covenant love. I will marry people. And so Clodius sent him an email and said, you might not have seen the, the, the proclamation, but please stop. Yeah. He wasn't against them. And, and Clodius said, I'm sorry. I, you know. So he continued <laughs> to marry people. And, and, it was, it, and it, was, it was because for him, he understood that one of the things that a priest does is blesses covenant. Mm. And covenant is essential yeah. for our understanding of, of our faith and the community and our relationship with God and redemption, all those sorts of things. And uh, Clodius brings him and says, please stop. And, and Valentine tried to convert him and said, yeah. no, I will not stop. And so, so ended up, um, um, Clodius had him taken to the, the, the outskirts of town and beaten to death. And so basically Valentine gave his life for covenant love. Mm. That's what he did. Yeah. Now, this is on the border of Lent. Interesting. So if you go from, from now, this is just it's an right. observation. Right. Yeah, yeah. And now, now I think about this every year at Valentine's Day. Yes, I, I do something nice for everybody I love and, and, mm -hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. But really what I'm starting to think about, this is about my Savior. Mm. This is about, I'm about to head into Lent, which is a, a fairly prolonged season of contemplating infidelity and the mm -hmm. devastations of infidelity. Yeah. Um, and it starts off with someone who gave his life for fidelity. And then you take an arrow from where, where Valentine is, shoot it right through Lent to Good Friday, and we have our Lord and Savior dying on the cross for fidelity. Wow. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I went, now, now this is starting to be now a good novel with prefiguring <laughs> drama yeah. and all that. Kind of, and all of a sudden you kind of come back and you say, okay, this church calendar year, I mean, however else you want to think about it, this is, this is a way of rehearsing and reharrowing this great story year after year yeah. until it becomes part of our DNA. But it doesn't work if you're not paying attention. Yeah. Right. And so, and so, I I wrote the series of books to try to make as many of those connections in my limited capacity that I could for people, and just trying to say, give it a shot. Like it's mm -hmm. 
there's, there's something about these observances and, and they shouldn't be done by rote. And if there's something else important to do, because right now the community needs this, drop it. Yeah. But otherwise, it's a, it's a really good way to organize year after year after year and rehearse and reharrow, meaning to rake and look for nuggets and reharrow the story um, until it literally sort of seeps into your pores and becomes part of who you are. Well, and some of that rote ritual that you were talking about, mm -hmm. when we actually stop and think about what it really means, becomes beautiful again. Yeah. I was born and raised in a Quaker family. Uh, the friends denomination and um, mom and dad were pastors, but we never did communion because communion right. was of the spirit, not of the elements. And for me, going now to a church that uses communion, it's a very, mm -hmm. very beautiful thing when I stop and really think about mm -hmm. what does this represent? What is this doing? Mm -hmm. Am I a better Christian because of it? I don't think so. But it's that no, it's not magic. It, it's that it's that realization yeah. of there is meaning to this. Yep. Yeah. Meaning to the liturgy, meaning to yeah. epiphany, meaning to all of these things that is important yeah. for us to not just gloss over. And again, it's, it's, it's all language and understanding, but I think we really fool ourselves and we don't understand how powerful symbols are. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't believe symbols are powerful and they don't affect people, try kneeling during the national anthem. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah. and so what's going on there when that football player, and I forget his name and I'm not really part of the, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm a sure. I just kind of, kind of half know the story. Right. That flag and that song is such a powerful symbol. Yeah. It's working on you. Yeah. Right. And so much so that if somebody doesn't sort of do the ceremony, do the symbolism right, mm -hmm. we're angry. Yeah. You know, we're offended and, and we will respond. So what's going on there? Yeah. How are we so invested in this symbol? We're ready to let you know, society be torn apart because, mm -hmm. because somebody wants to challenge it. Yeah. You know, now where are our allegiances? Yeah. You yeah. know, are allegiances to a flag? Are they to Jesus? Are they to like, where, where are they? Yeah. You know, and at least if you watch how people respond to symbols being desecrated, it'll tell you a lot where their allegiances are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause symbols mm -hmm. matter. Symbolic action actually forms us yeah. way more than we think. Yeah. This is that was not an anti-American slam, by the way. I just I just find it like when you're when you're looking from the outside in, sometimes you see things and other people see things that you can't see about yourself. Yeah. And so it's just an interesting perspective, right? Well, and I think that God taught us to use some of these symbols because there are so much in our relationship with God that is mental, spiritual. It's not physical. And we as humans need that tactile yeah. that we can put our hands on. And so I think that's why he said, take this bread take this blood or that's why he said you know do do some of these things because we can't get it through this skull of ours well, but also there's there's something about physicality that can in, in a sense sort of embody and then uh, uh, transmute or or or, or um, uh, be a vehicle to share so on valentine's day i can say to my wife i'm going to be very cliche here just because it's just to get the point sure. i can say i love you honey have a nice day and i've done my thing she mm -hmm. should believe me mm -hmm. but i still don't do that. I, I I can say that, but I might buy a rose. Mm -hmm. A rose isn't magic. A rose doesn't make me love her. Right. Um, actually, if I don't love her and I give her a rose, it'll it'll wound her because it's mm -hmm. a symbol of what's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. You know. Um, if I give her chocolate and I don't really love her, I mean, it only works if you're actually invested in what you're trying to communicate. <laughs> it's right. not magic. Right. But there's something about um, a rose and chocolate or whatever it is your beloved um, sort of whatever triggers that knowledge that I'm, I'm cherished. Yeah. Um, and the physical thing delivers the message. Yeah. But it isn't the thing. Right. 
it's the representation of yeah in the yeah. same way as if, if i if i spell out a word to you f-i-s-h mm -hmm. what do you get from that uh a, a fish fish <laughs> now is f-i-s-h a fish no no it's just a signpost to the fish yeah but it's a physical visual representation that helps your brain go from here to there mm -hmm. and in the end it's your experience of fishness <laughs> Right. Um, that gives you a capacity to know what the word means. And mm -hmm. so if your experience is vastly different, it actually means something different to mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So the word fish means a, something very different to a child with their first goldfish bowl mm -hmm. than it does to a marine biologist. Yeah. It's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. Right. It's your experience of it that gets sort of triggered. Yeah. You can go on and on about how this sort of works and then how liturgies work and symbols work. Well, one of the things that I've kind of gleaned out of this, and maybe as you were preparing for this podcast, you saw one of the things we talked about is community. And mm -hmm. you mentioned two different communities that really helped shape who you are. One is that prison community of mm -hmm. guys who came around you, invested in you, loved on you. And then the second is this Catholic community where you found the beauty of the of the uh, liturgy. Talk a little bit about the importance of community in your life, about how investing in that is important. I think community. I mean, you. you what do you mean by community? But but in, in yeah, a sense, fish, right? <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But and let's start with who God is. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, the the whole doctrine of the Trinity is that God is three yet one. God is a communal oneness. Mm -hmm. God's very essence is com calm unity yes. with yes. oneness, right? And so um, right off the bat, community is theologically correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> now here's the deal. We've been made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. Now, if God, in a sense, and, and again, we're going to get, you know, I'm, I'm going to be getting out of my league here. Um, so if, 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 if real theologians out there listening to it, please forgive me. But if God, if the Father needs the Son, needs the Spirit to be God, like if there's a, to, to be who God is, yeah. and we've been made in the image of God, then I need you to be me. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I need all of creation to be me. I need, if, if, if this whole system, this whole cosmos is a reflection of a oneness that is the ground of diversity. Well, that's who God is. God is diversity and oneness at the same time. We've been yeah. created in that image. We're an expression of God's interiority. Yeah. Well, then now, if I love you, I'm loving me. If I love um, um, a field and a stream and a mountain and a bird, I'm loving me. Like, this is mm -hmm. all, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's self-care. <laughs> Interesting. In yeah. Sense. And I don't I don't mean to throw that in, you know, into then everything is, is essentially selfish, but it's it's the proper selfishness. Mm. Right. I belong to you and you belong to me. Think of it in other ways. When my dad died and I sort of watched the kinds of things he liked to talk about um when he knew he was gonna going and stuff, and I asked myself the question, well, when I'm you know, when I'm about to go, and if I am blessed with a clear mind and yeah. I can think about things, what are if I could allow myself the question, after all these years, what do I love the most about Steve Bell? Mm. If I could allow myself that question, and I did, how would I answer that? And I said, and I listed 10 things that I love about Steve Bell. And then I realized that everything I loved about Steve Bell required someone else for that to be true. Wow. I'm the grandfather of George and Dorothy Bell. I kind of need grandparents to be the grandson. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yep. I am, what I love about Steve Bell is Steve Bell is, is the husband of Nancy Bell. Yeah. 
I kind of need a Nancy Bell to be the husband ever. <laughs> you know what I love about Steve Bell? He's a dad or a grandparent. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a neighbor to um, you know uh, Patty Boga. Well, I kind of need a Patty Boga. In other words, the others actually um, constitute who I am. Interesting. Yeah, I'm constituted. The best things about Steve Bell require another for it to be true. Yeah, and then at the same level, I do that for them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like my sons, you know, who can say, and my daughter, you know, what what I like about myself is that I'm a daughter or son of Steve Bell. Well, I make that happen for yep. them. So, yeah. in a sense, I constitute them, and they constitute me. Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, the the, the father pours his life into the son. The son pours his life into the into the father. There's a mutuality that actually creates the other, the the reality and the truth of the other. Yeah, these things break down, and 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 they get pretty complicated when you get to high levels of philosophy and and all that kind of stuff, way beyond my capacity. But there's something of that that I get. Yeah. So community, um, right off the bat, I almost require a community to be me. Yeah. What makes it complicated is if, though, is if all the members are broken. So it gets a little messy. Yeah. Right. But that's yeah. not a reason to dump it. Right. right. That's not a, a reason to sort of just then retreat into my den and watch my, you know, 55 inch television until, <laughs> until you know, bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I find it interesting, Steve. I, we had a lot of, uh, you have a lot of music stuff to talk about, and we haven't talked about any of that today. I mean, we've touched on it a little <laughs> bit, but. But, oh, uh, but did I tell you I'm a singer songwriter? <laughs> yeah. But again, this is one of those hats, you know, this passionate follower of Jesus who's who's yeah. seeking all of the things around you that God is is reaching out to you and doing things in you. What is your hot topic of life these days? What are the things that are really that God's really pulling on Ooh. your heart that you'd be willing and able to share about? That's really hard to know. Um, I think, I mean, and I don't want to get into this because I, I, I know there's not agreement about stuff, but I think I think most of us are traumatized by the last four political years of the, of, of the United States mm-hmm. and how the church has responded to that for good or for ill. I think we're traumatized by COVID, um, you know, and all those responses. I think we're traumatized by what could still be in front of us in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. You know, so there's, there's a general level of anxiety. Um, there's a general level of mistrust. Um, there's a level of disappointment in others, like profound mm. disappointments. Yeah. There's people that are disappointed in me and I'm disappointed in other people, mm. you know? And so I guess, I mean, my prayers these days as I don't know what to do about that, but I, I, I'm more and more sitting on my chair in the mornings before the light dawns, you know, and being quiet and saying, God, will you allow me the privilege of being part of this repair? Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what that looks like. Right. And I'm not being false modest here. I just don't. This is, you know, so I would, I would love to be part of the repair. And I, I'm going to guess it's part of that is singing my songs and telling my stories and mm-hmm. inviting people to hope and forgiveness and joy and peace and um, being part of hopefully civil discourse on civil matters and yeah. and all that kind of stuff in, 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 in respectful ways and modeling all that kind of stuff. In the same way that, that every, every once in a while God gifts people with uncommon, say, wisdom or instinct, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's not, um, I, I, I just like to be part of that. I'd like to be part of healing. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I wish, it I, does. wish I knew more detail, Yeah. I, but I just don't. I don't know if that means I you know, write a theology book and try to take on people I disagree with. I think that's probably not it. Right, uh, right. You know, that's not my deal, right? But, um, or start an organization or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, I, I do know when I sing and I tell my stories that I can see it in concert. You can see lights going on in people. Mm-hmm. 
And often when they come up to you afterwards, and I saw that person react in halfway through the concert, and yeah. I know they're going to be talking to me afterward. And I'm pretty <laughs> right. sure I know because I said this brilliant thing two minutes ago. <laughs> um, and then they come up to me afterwards, as I fully expect. Mm -hmm. They're going to affirm this brilliant thing I said, and they say, you know what? This changed my life. And half the time, they repeat something you didn't even say. It's mm. what they heard. Yeah. The spirit in a sense, took whatever words a story is telling and, and then translated into language they needed to hear. Yeah. You know, and I, I just find that it's just miraculous. Well, your, your heart cry is kind of what I've been wrestling to. Lord, I don't want to go full force and do stuff and ask you to follow and bless. I right. want to be square in the middle of what you want me to do. Yeah. How do I, as you're talking about, how do I make yeah. change? I don't feel like I can make a change politically. Right. So that's not where God's placed me. But how can I make that change today with the people that I come in contact with or the platform yep. that he's given me? And so I appreciate that. That's kind of the cry of my heart these days as well. Yeah, I know. I don't think God has abandoned the planet. No. I don't think God has abandoned the United States or Canada or Europe or, or Saudi Arabia. Or I don't think God has abandoned China, um, Mexico, um, uh, El Salvador. These are all God's good ideas. Yeah. Every single person on the planet yeah. is, is for, and I, and I do operate this way. I mean, I, I, I keep on reminding myself every time I see another person, whether at a, at a bus stop, in a coffee line, um, in, in, a, in a voting line, whatever, that person, no matter what or who they are, is first and foremost God's good idea. You have my respect. You do not need to earn my respect. Hmm. Yeah. You have my respect. You're his good idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, so well, yeah. we're going to start there. Now, it's hard to really, you know, to nail down what love really means because it's a complicated word. And mm -hmm. it's more than wishing someone well or having affection, obviously. Yeah. Um, but and then the second thing is um, that I want to to love as best as I can, mm -hmm. given my limited capacity, because I'm also broken. How do you love people who are behaving badly or poorly yeah. or dangerously or, you know, who, you know, who have ideas that are, are, are possibly not healthy for others? You know, yeah. how do you still love? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. And that's yeah. Just complicated. But then again, you need profound wisdom. You need to be open to the spirit. You'll, you'll, you'll notice in, in, our, in our Gospels that Jesus um, rarely says the same thing twice to people. I remember as a kid, you know, um, we were sort of taught in, in, in Sunday school, like basically Jesus is the answer to everything. Okay. Um, right. And so just, you know, and, and people need to, you know, repent of their sins and, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, accept salvation. And so no matter what the question is, those are the answers. Um, and yet Jesus didn't treat people that way. Um, he said very different things to different people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, one person he says, you know, I've give up all your money. You know, that's he didn't say believe in me. He didn't say, you know, repent of your sins. He says, give up your money. Yeah. The guy went away kind of sad, you know. <laughs> Another person he says a different thing, yeah. you know, and he he he's he knew he looked at others and allowed himself to know who they are and respond to who they are. Yeah. Not a strategy, a pre-planned strategy. Yeah or a memorized rote thing. So he also treated people with the dignity of you are not only God's good idea, but you're God's unique good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and this, if I'm listening to the spirit, I can trust that I might have something enlightening to say to you. Maybe. Yeah. You know, but that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean I need to zero in on you who you are. I need to be open to the spirit and hear. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's work. Yeah, being awake is hard work. 
we send out a prayer newsletter every Saturday, mm -hmm. and we ask for folks to pray for different musicians that week. Oh, thank you. How can we oh, specifically nice. be praying for you guys, uh, you specifically, and your ministry in the weeks and months ahead? Well, I think for me, just kind of what I said, I remember years ago I was in debt. I had built a house that went over a huge overrun, and, I, and there was just no way I could make up the losses from my bad planning. Mm -hmm. And I was telling a friend of mine this I was on the road and I was thinking, well, I could go bankrupt on this, this thing. And, and, um, and, uh, when I went to bed that night, I was staying in his house. There's a check under the pillow for, um, uh, it was a thousand dollar check. Mm. Now it didn't solve my problem at all. I needed right. way more. It didn't really <laughs> did nothing yeah. to solve my problem. But the note was just want to be part of it. Mm. And I think the best thing I can say, and if people can pray for me, like whatever God is up to, yeah. I, I just kind of like to be part of it. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't have to be a big part, you know, it doesn't have to change everything, you know, but I would just get such a delight when, when time is wrapped up and all that kind of stuff is, and we're all sitting around with our scotch and kind of going, wow, what a ride that was, <laughs> you know, and I just, I just kind of hope God would say, you know, thanks, thanks for being a part of it. Like yeah. that would be such a lovely thing, eh? Yeah. And, and yeah. you'd know it was minuscule, right. but it's still nice. So I would like to be part of it. So if that's for me, and then for musicians in general, we have no idea what we're doing now to stay, um, like to do, to, to, to execute our calling, mm -hmm. uh, to, to get revenue from it. And it's not just COVID, like everything's changing, um, yeah. how people use music, how they pay for it, all that kind of stuff. So we just need wisdom and creativity, support and patrons and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. like, don't just pray for me on that. Just all, all of us in the arts are struggling and trying to figure this out so that we can make good culture. The uh, antidote to bad culture is good culture. That's what we hope to do, most of us, I think. And um, and so if people can help with prayer and financial support and stuff, yay, that's lovely. I have to admit, my conversation with Steve Bell was probably a first for me. You see, this is a podcast about Christian music, and we barely talked about music at all. But before we hit the record button... Steve and I prayed that God would guide our conversation and direct our thoughts. And we also prayed for you, that God would reveal himself to you through Steve's and my conversation. So I'm not too disappointed that we didn't get around to talking about Steve's music. Steve has such a heart for following God's lead and for his personal relationship with Jesus. I appreciate the value he places on being real with God, being vulnerable, and sharing what is really going on in his heart. I also appreciate his reminder that God wants us to be real, really real with him, sharing about our laments, bringing our complaints to God. Remember how Steve said it? He said it this way, God is quite happy to hear how we actually feel. What God is saying is, I'm the place to bring your anger to. I'm the place to bring your disappointments, frustrations, and deep hurts. You dump that stuff on me. You can trust me with it. I'm not going to squish you for being frustrated, sad, or hurt. The Bible backs those statements up. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all of your worries and cares to God, because he cares for you. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't it comforting to know that God wants us to give our junk to him? I hope this week, whether it is in the middle of the night or smack dab in the center of an overwhelming project, that you are also able to say, God, 
I give this to you. Help me experience your peace right now. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. 